What's up, guys? Uh, once again, welcome back, guys, to uh, another episode of Cuatro Cuadrados. Uh, on this episode, I was uh, fortunate enough to talk to a uh, assistant coach uh, to a high school here outside of uh, Houston, on the, on the west side of Houston, uh, Berkshire Royals. Uh, I was able to talk to Bruno Baltasar, uh, who's one of the assistant coaches over there. Um, and I just want to let you guys know that we had a great conversation, great, a lot. We talked a lot about, you know, what it is to be a coach, you know, his, his career, you know, coming from Portugal all the way to, to Houston and how he ended up, you know, being a coach and, you know, you know what the future looks like for him and everything in between. Uh, but I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that the conversation does cut out at the end. Uh, but it was literally at the final uh, where, where I was about to actually close the, the episode for the you know, the episode period. So, you know, if you see that, you know, sudden uh, change or sudden, you know, cut off, you know, don't be too alarmed. It was actually the end of the conversation. Uh, but, you know, once again, I want to thank Bruno for taking the time to be able to come on the show and sharing his story, sharing everything that he has learned and everything that he's going to, uh, you know, be going, you know, doing in the future. So hopefully, you know, you guys enjoyed this uh, great episode and we'll see you guys on the next episode of Cuatro Cuadros. Yeah, have a good one. All right. So welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Cuatro Cuadros. Obviously, it's been a little while since we, you know, we had shows and we actually had, you know, guests on the show. But today we uh, we were able to find somebody that actually, you know, works with in the local community here around, well, kind of outside of Houston, but, you know, Houston adjacent. Uh, and he's actually a coach, a high school coach, an assistant coach here on the area. And, you know, we wanted to talk to him and, and kind of see what that lifestyle is like. You know, obviously, you know, being a coach uh, can be, you know, difficult at times because you have to deal with, you know, personalities of, of your players. But not only your players, but, you know, he's a high school coach. So obviously, you know, you have young guys, you have to mentor and stuff like that. So it would be interesting to, you know, I thought it would be interesting to talk to people like that and see what, you know, what their mindset is and, you know, just kind of learn their stories. And today I have Bruno. So how you doing, Bruno? How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good and you? Good, 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 man. You know, Boca just won a couple of Libertadores. So we're feeling good, you know? Um, Sporting yeah. will finish second in the Portuguese league, so I don't know about that. Close enough. So yeah, let's go ahead and get started with that. You're you're Portuguese, right? So <laughs> you know, can you tell me, you know, how is it, how is it growing up in Portugal? I I don't think I've ever met a Portuguese person. Uh, it's relaxed. Uh, I lived in the outskirts of Lisbon, which is the capital. Uh, uh -huh. You know, as a little kid, you you play in the street. You uh, oftentimes you get a soda can, you flatten it with your feet, and then you play with it. If you if you if you ever play with a soda can, if there's one thing you learn with it is that if you can play with a soda can, you definitely can play with a soccer ball. Exactly. Uh, so it will it will acquire you some uh, some technical skills, um, and you definitely pick up a lot of fights as well because it gets intense out there, uh, <laughs> especially because some people just put their feet on top of the soda can and they don't want to let it go. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's culturally is not very different as one can really think about America. Uh, the food is not, it's not very different, uh, maybe less, less burgers and more like uh, slow cooking. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's not, it's not very different. Um, now, in terms of soccer, definitely a religion down there as big as a religion it is, uh, much more. I mean, you can relate it Argentinian. It's definitely gets wild out there. 
Um, so that's one thing that is a little bit different. America is definitely growing. The soccer over here is definitely growing. And uh, yeah. it's exponentially it used to be every four years when the World Cup was around. Everyone would pretend to uh, pick a team and to be an expert. Uh, but the game is getting much better. I mean, obviously, on the woman's side, it's always been very good. But on the on the boys' side, it's uh, we've even on the high school, you, you know, you're talking about high school. Uh, back then, with the problem with high school, and still is in a lot of high schools, is that a lot of coaches are just uh, football coaches. They're pretending to be uh, soccer coaches. And mm. that hurts the game. That hurts the little kids because these coaches really uh, – they don't know what they're doing and it's not their, really their fault um yeah. you know oftentimes schools don't got the money to just uh pay stipends just specifically to people that really are knowledgeable of soccer um but it hurts the kids uh because it, it stops their development not every kid can afford club soccer uh yeah. club soccer can be very expensive and yes. some some kids don't have even the transportation to go uh to club soccer and practice every day so it's uh, you know via high school public high school at least they have to be there every day um yeah. so he allows them for free as well uh to be able to uh if of course they got the skills but he allows them to develop their game so um it's good seeing nowadays more and more coaches that uh, actually know what they're talking about more specific soccer coaches and you're starting to slowly see that the the level of competition is starting to increase. Um, a lot of coaches now not just focus about soccer, but they focus about the physical aspect of the player, um, such as making them lift weights and things of that nature. And you're starting to see um, the competition starting to be a lot better. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. A few years back, if you were going to see a high school game, you probably hurt your eyes a little bit. The quality <laughs> was very good. Uh, but it's slowly, even, even you can go to a 4A school uh, competition, which is uh, less population, and mm -hmm. you can get very good games uh, out of there. So it's starting to really grow. Um, kids are starting to have a passion. Coaches are starting to have a passion. And schools starting to see the worth in it. At least administration is seeing yeah. the worth in it. So before we, because we, I have questions about the whole, you know, high school situation, high school soccer. But before mm -hmm. we get, we dive in into that, because, I, you know, like I said, I have multiple questions. Mm -hmm. Tell me how, you know, how a guy from, uh, you know, from Portugal, from Lisbon, you know, makes it all the way to, to Texas. How, how was that ride? How was that journey? Uh, through depression. <laughs> uh, if I'm honest with you. Um, so I was with the youth levels of Sporting Lisbon, which uh, if mm -hmm. people know about Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, he, that's the team that he started as well. Um, and um, I was there. I mean, he's obviously a little bit older than me. Um, I, I played against him. We played. We used to scrimmage oftentimes the older uh, levels. Um, and so I was, you know, left back. I was pretty good as not so much technicality but more iq of the game which allowed me to be good a smart defender mm -hmm. uh which of course years later it makes sense as a coach if you have a good iq of the game um but i used i was really good i got back to back acls um which led me to being 17 years old i already had um an offer from uh Strela, which was a team back then it was in the first division they're no longer in the first division um to be a pro and everything but i was still a minor the doctor told hey if he has another acl to my mother he's like he might he's really gonna struggle to walk and that really scared my mother she didn't uh, sign uh, she signed off on the rehab to be able to walk but not to be playing uh, competitively again 
which I got cut from the team. Um, and I got bitter at the game itself. You know, I'm like, no, nah, I really, you know, because I, I, when you spend so many years as a little kid, especially, yeah. and then as a teenager, and you really have an idea that you're going to be someone, and then those dreams are crushed, you are lost. And that led me to, I've, I struggled, but eventually I graduated with my diploma. I uh, started uh, messing around with basketball. Uh, and I, I became a basketball scout. I worked for a team down there and they asked me, hey, you know, if we pay you a little bit, can you go uh, actually to America and pick up some uh, guys that cannot make it to the NBA, but watch them, write about them, scout them, and then convince them to come back uh, to Europe to play uh, pro basketball. So that's what I did for two years. And that's the reason that led me to this country in the first place. Um, after that, the team folded. They went bankrupt. Uh, I was just 20 years old. Um, wow, you were so, young. Yeah, I was too young, I would say. Uh, yeah. There are my chances of continuing to do that professionally. Um, yeah. I was younger than the players, and that was a problem to uh, most uh, teams. Yeah. Um, and then... I'm like, okay, well, I'm, a, I'm already in America. Might as well see if I can have success over here in this country. <laughs> um, yeah. But that uh, changed me to more the regular field. Uh, till a few years back, I decided, you know what? I can get a degree. My original thought is I'm going to get a college degree. I can be on the criminal justice side of things. So maybe I can help people that uh, were immigrants as well, mm -hmm. uh, especially try to put them their paperwork and things of the nature. That yeah. didn't work out as well because I failed the vision test with the Department of Homeland Security. So once again, <laughs> I had to redesign my goals and that led me to, okay, I love soccer. I can actually be a coach if I can teach in high school. And yeah. that's how I became a teacher and now fast forward uh, a coach as well. Uh, what, so do, what, do, what do you teach? Uh, I'm under the social studies, but I teach psychology and sociology. Oh, so. that's tight trying to find the reason why I continue to be depressed, but yet smell <laughs> on my face. <laughs> hey, that, that's me right there, bro. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the same way every day of my life. I'm like, yeah, you know, but yeah, I get, you got to keep going, find a reason and, and, you know, keep pushing forward. So I, at least soccer, we try. Soccer is know? a hobby. Soccer, exactly. soccer is a hobby. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. It, it makes you not think about stuff that sometimes is not very pleasant to think about. I think, yeah, I think that's, that's what connects a lot of us with the same passion, you know, we, yeah. we can, we can talk about soccer and it makes you not think about anything else, you know, and that's, that's why this is, this is a passion. This is why it's, sure. and that's why a lot of people though, passion can be good, but sometimes it can also yeah. be very bad. Exactly. So tell me, tell me about your, your coaching, uh, your, like your, your, your coaching career. How did that start? You know, when, you know, you you decided how old were you when you were like okay i'm gonna become a teacher and i'm gonna become a coach when, a teacher uh three years ago a coach uh three years ago when i started being being a coach uh -huh. <laughs> last year uh okay. and uh but i said it, if i was gonna do it it had to be the right thing i could have become a coach years ago um but it had to be the right project and surrounded by the right people because again soccer was something that uh, I think he hurt me too much. So I didn't want it to go back to soccer and then feel like I would get hurt again out of the game. Yeah. And I definitely didn't want it to surround myself with uh, football knowledge and not soccer knowledge, if that makes sense. And I say, I'm only saying it the American way. 
yeah. uh, because it's literally the football with the ends that that that, uh, that schools will relate to. Um, I met um, you know Christian Guzman is uh, our head coach, and uh, we clicked. We clicked. It wasn't like a job interview or anything. It was more like we uh, just brainstorming ideas, uh, soccer knowledge, and I'm picky. I'm picky. I'll be honest with you. Um, I like to have <laughs> conversations with people that I can, I know that they understand the game. Um, and, you know, I'm not to sound cocky, but a lot of people pretend to understand the game, but they really don't understand the game. I agree. Uh, and um, But he understood the game and I respected that and uh, he respected me back. And um, long story short, I mean, this year was was not as special as one wanted it in terms of going all the way and, and win everything. But we uh, we did so many records and we created more than anything else. We created a family environment, uh, and that's that's rare. That's rare. Yeah. So tell me about you know before we go specifically to talk about your school. Um, you know I you know I grew up in Texas. You know, I'm from Argentina. I came to the U.S. as a kid. Mm -hmm. I actually played at Katie Taylor High School. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm pretty. You know you're close. Yeah. yeah. You're no, you're coach at you're coach at Brookshire, right? Brookshire High School. Yeah. So right outside, right outside it, you know, Houston, a little bit west than Katie. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know, I know where it is. It's very close to home. But um, so you know, when I played there, I played uh, high high school soccer there. I was in varsity three years. Um, we or last year. For head coach right now. Uh, for real? For real? They are <laughs> looking for a head coach. I'm dead serious. Yes. Oh yes. really? It is a job that a lot of people are scared to take. Yeah, yeah, but I'm actually, well, I, I don't know yet, but I'm actually, uh, might have, who was, I don't know, I mean, I guess, I don't know what happened, but who was the, the head coach there, but <laughs> we'll see, <laughs> but interesting enough, but yeah, so I went there, you know, it, it was a fun experience, but obviously, you know, uh, being, I guess, you know, a, a Hispanic person, I wouldn't have a lot of Hispanic person, a lot of, you know, white guys were on the team, and, and yeah, like you were saying, you know, the, 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 the the mentality of like you know soccer with you know soccer and football were were you know kind of different and you know just the way that people played obviously was different but uh i never i never understood this whole you know maybe you as a, as a coach as a teacher could be able to explain the whole 6a 5a 4a and in one makes like for example your 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 school compete with you know, 4A schools than 6A schools, if that makes sense. I don't, you know, just no. so to clarify for the people that don't know about high school soccer, I have an idea of what that, of what that is, but just, you know, to, to explain to everybody what, what that is, the difference between like a 4A, 5A and 6A school. Student population that really comes up to, it's not like first division, second division in terms of quality, it's just student population in the body that you got. Um, for example, I mean, this season we went against uh, Morton Ranch, which is a 6A, um, yeah. and we beat them up, and we are a 4A. So it technically, in terms of tiers, we have basically 10,000, uh, 2,000, 2,000 students less than Morton Ranch. So obviously, as a student body, especially in a public school, you, you have to play with the people that, that you got, exactly. that is a student yeah. body. So let's say if I got 2,000 more students, <laughs> your pool is a it lot most bigger. likely allows yeah. me to have uh, much better options exactly. which also leads to the next problem which is if you got a less student body population like for example at brookshire royal we have less than 800 students uh, really? so it's, it's a small school it's tiny yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. And that's, uh, and of course, not everyone is a boy, not everyone is a girl. So let's exactly. say that 50 50, then you got 400. 400. Yeah. And not every Jeez. 400, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, cares about <laughs> soccer. Second of all, should ever play soccer. Right. <laughs> uh, so, and then, but that, that leads to the next problem, it, which is these 6A schools, because they got so many uh, students. Yeah. It can be 2,000, 3,000. Some of them got almost 5,000 students. That's crazy. They can actually have a, a varsity team, a JV team, and yeah. a freshman team, which That's allows true. to develop these players. True. We, for example, we had a JV team, but in our district, we were the only one that had a JV team. And we have to play during, uh, during their season or regular season, one would call it. We have to play in our district. So what happened is we, uh, during, um, during the district play, that's what they call it, the, pre the, the regular season district play, uh, we have to travel to these teams and we can only bring our varsity. And then later in the season, what ends up happening is that the JV ceases to exist because yeah. there's no, re no way we can pile up two different buses with different coaches, with different people at the same time, go to different places. And that's really the difference in arts, the game between a 6A and oftentimes a 5A compared to the 4A. In 4A, you don't really got JV. And even if you got JV, it doesn't last more than the preseason. In the preseason, you can set up scrimmages games against the 6A schools. Oftentimes also, that leads to the next problem. A lot of 6A schools don't want to play 4A schools because if they lose, it looks really bad on their resume. And a lot of yeah. coaches, they, they come up with these excuses. Our schedule is full. It, it's not. They just <laughs> don't want to play us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and it's, that's what people get it wrong. Um, just because it's a 4A, it doesn't mean that it's a less quality team compared yeah. to a 6 side. Obviously, especially if you are in the Katy area, the 6A schools are powerhouses. Yeah. Uh, you got Seven Lakes, which is nationally ranked over and over and over and over. They are nationally ranked and they didn't even want a state. Uh, so, you know, so the competition <laughs> in Katy is fierce, uh, very, very fierce. Um, 4A, it's good, but I'll tell you something. In 4A, you start seeing much better more a little bit up north in the state because there's a lot more support of club uh clubs that support these smaller high schools mm -hmm. for example a kid in my school if he wants to play club he has to drive about 15 miles to katie uh if he wants to do club soccer because there's nothing around the brookshire area and the thing about it that too is that that leads to the next problem a lot of these katie uh schools the the, the parents are more financially stable, which allows them to just pay the fees and drive the kids to go to club soccer. The problem with us is we don't have that. Sometimes, exactly. for example, even if we wanted to have uh, some summer practice, or whatever, which technically not really supposed to have it, but let's say that we wanted to uh, do something around the summer or during the off season where the kids are not in school a lot of them even struggle to go two miles down the road because wow. they have no transportation. So that's another thing too, that you are dealing oftentimes when you're looking at smaller schools, oftentimes smaller schools also means a bigger minority and bigger minority oftentimes relates to uh, smaller incomes as well, which impedes a lot of the, the development. Even if the kids are good, 
it let's say the the season is goes from thanksgiving all the way till march april depends how far you go mm-hmm. after that what happens school is over yeah so and that's why you need the club support system to continue to be in shape and be better because if you don't have that then maybe when the school restarts you can do cross country uh in same shape and get fast but if not that's it that's it you ain't got nothing so that's the biggest difference between four five and six eight it's just student body population it's it doesn't necessarily mean quality uh, bernie for example won a state in 4a right now back-to-back years which is very tough to win back-to-back years and they they i think they'll they'll definitely make a deep run in the playoffs if they were a 6a school uh their number 14 is very talented one of the best players i've seen in high school uh, and and it it just it's a shame because if you don't watch the game you literally think you're looking at for a division right because it makes sense four five six right so yeah. six first division second division five it's not it's not at all it's just a student body population and also keep in mind this just because a team in they every two years they they check back at the numbers and then sometimes you can go it yeah. happens not rarely rarely more than not. But uh, sometimes you might have a 6A being reclassified as a 5A if the student population diminished. But oftentimes what you start seeing, even with Peyto now in a lot of these new schools in Katy, like Katy Jordan. Katy Jordan was a 5A this past season. They are now going to be a 6A school because for the first time they have seniors and because the student body population went, which wasn't really too fair. Uh, because they already had enough people and everyone, that's the thing. You got a brand new school. If you got money, everyone wants to be there. And, exactly. and they had so many uh, good club soccer players transferring uh, from one school to the other. Uh, and obviously transferring is illegal, but if you got an address from a family member that lives exactly. nearby, <laughs> then you're going to do it. So yeah. that's why they went to state as a 5A school, which, uh, you know, we actually played them during uh as a scrimmage and we lost three to one but we lost three to one to a team that actually made it all the way to state as a five eight that basically is a six a school so we get and we actually dominated the game we just made three mistakes that they were able to uh finish on us and we played down there uh so again you if you were there and you, you saw the game you'll be like wow I don't even know if there's a difference between 5A or, or 4A or anything exactly. like that. So it just it just depends. It's just it's, it's important for now for people that are not familiar with the high school system mm-hmm. to understand that yes, technically because you got more people, you might have bigger quality uh, or at least you got more bodies to pick, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily a must. All right. So I got two questions. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say them right now just so I don't forget them. <laughs> but <laughs> Because I I imagine you guys have uh, do a lot of traveling, you know, obviously being in Brookshire, like, you know, it being like a small town, you you usually probably have to, you know, go against other small towns. Therefore, your traveling schedule might be, you know, a little bit harsher than, you know, maybe if you're in Katy, you know, like I was, you know, you go Cinco Ranch, Seven Lakes, you know, fairly, fairly around the area. Right. So one question is about traveling. And then after you enter that one, I wanted to ask you, you know, what's the process of, of you guys, you know, picking the, the guys for the team? Because obviously your, your, the population of the school is a lot, you know, smaller. 
So, you know, how many guys do you have, you know, going out for tryouts? You know, how many guys do you get to get, you know, to pick for the team? Mm-hmm. And, you know, how hard is is the whole process? You know, obviously, since you don't have the numbers to, you know, pick and choose or, mm-hmm. or to be picky, you know, but, you know, it's like maybe you can't be picky. You know, you just gotta have to get a guy that maybe is not at the level of the other guys, but, you know, maybe bring them in and have them, you know, grow as a maybe – Uh, freshman, sophomore, whatever. So by the time he's a senior, he could be ready to, to play with the, you know, with the big boys. So go ahead. So in terms of traveling, um, yeah, sometimes we drive about 50 miles or so uh, to go to some away games. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the biggest thing with travel, uh, the, with it's finding transportation itself within our district. There's such a, uh, a bus driver shortage. It's kind of all around. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's one of the problems that we have more than anything else. Of course, when we make it to the um, playoffs, oftentimes you pick you play against teams like, for example, we played Mejia, which is in San Antonio, and uh, we have to pick a neutral site. And we drove all the way to um, uh, College Station, basically, Ooh, to have yeah. the game. Which for us, I mean, for us is an hour and a half to yeah, one hour and ten minutes. For them, is like an hour and forty minutes drive. So it, it, it can get tedious, especially in the playoffs when you're playing uh, teams that are just all around. I mean, you can go to Humble too. You can, you know, it, it, you can be all over the place. And the, and this sucks because these kids sometimes are not accustomed to it. And then being on the bus for like two hours and you arrive like an hour before the game and they're like falling asleep. Yeah. It, it hurts the game. It hurts the game. Yeah, uh, and you do have to warm up and get ready to, to play. As a little kid that you're not accustomed to it, especially because you don't do club soccer, that hurts. That hurts. Um, yeah. That's something that it hurts us, for example, during the playoffs. In terms of um, what was the second question again? Sorry. Uh, like, since obviously the pool of, of students oh, yeah. is a lot smaller, how, how is the process of, of picking a team to, to compete? So the uh, the one thing I'll, I'll tell you about Royal is that... Um, I would say these, the, my head coach might be on me about it, uh, <laughs> but um, it's the most popular sport. Uh, it's where probably minority Hispanic as well. So everyone does love soccer is the uh, major sport. Mm-hmm. That is the sport that we are very good at year after year. Um, you know, we are still developing the other programs, but soccer is the one that is, is, is the clear cut favorite successful good. program that we got going on. Uh, so I would say these, you might not like it, but um, I would say that we have a lot more people to try out that should try out, uh, if that makes sense. There's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. about 60, 60 to 80 people. Um, I think this year coming up, we, we might have, we might have, it might even be more. Uh, which is not necessarily bad. Trying out is not bad at all, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't like to cut people um i'll say it uh i believe in cutting people but yeah. that's not really uh the way the district want us to do it so in which i get it you know um sports in high school uh are a way to get yourself busy and pulls you away from maybe other things that you'll be doing otherwise that are negative for you uh so yeah. i definitely understand that um It, it helps us to have the JV team because we definitely need a JV team to pile up uh, all the 25 that don't make it to varsity. Um, of course, you want to have more than 25 because 
if you fail every six weeks your grades you can actually not play the six weeks uh, afterwards so you you do got to have more than 25 options uh that's injuries to you and things of that nature so you want to develop especially on the jv but that creates the same problem again like i told you this past season for example we had about four games on the jv and that was it because no one else in our district had jv teams so the only way that we could try to tell them was that hey look come to practice you never know and actually i kid you not the about the six seven eight people that continued to stay in practice they all ended up at some point in time uh starting at least a game on varsity uh even if maybe they weren't necessarily ready for it they started it because some of the games you got it off in some of the games we knew that it would be the other team regardless so we wanted to give minutes playing minutes meaningful playing minutes to see how uh, much more they can develop because one thing is practice but you never develop as much as you develop during game action um that's something that it's it's priceless as a player you can practice all you want and yes you'll get better but it's the game action that pressure they're getting used to the pressure getting used to the screams from the sidelines to your teammates to the other teams to the parents to the fans that's something that you need to get used to and and there's really no one that can teach you that unless you really play the game so that helps us i mean uh, we had a player that uh really ended up this season being one of the starters and he actually had never played soccer uh before he even uh did a tryout so his game really um went very high in terms of skills of course here and there he felt self-conscious about himself so the mentality aspect of it wasn't really there and he still was not there he's still not there i just had a conversation with him two two days ago about it uh because he wanted to quit uh for next season he didn't want it to play um and i had to convince him that yeah dude you bro it's the first year you played and you already had a starting spot on a team that made it all the way to third round um so you you know yes i do understand that you're looking at the negative things you have done their wrong pass that being scared on on the divided ball and all those things but i mean as a player you're gonna mess up multiple times sometimes throughout the game i mean you got for example ronaldo i mean up till uh, last month he spent about two months that let's be honest, he, he sucked for two months. And that's yeah. my favorite player. Uh, but up till last month, when he started scoring again for two months, he was rough. He was yeah. rough. And that's that's a legend. I mean, Messi, you're Argentinian. Messi this season, I don't I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, nine and six. Yeah, it's just not there. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. that's why it's useful uh, to have a lot of players. Um, we don't necessarily... Um, we just... Uh, you know uh went to see the eight graders too because they're about to yeah. come up um they look good uh the seven graders need development uh but the eight graders look good they've been playing for a few years they really never had a coach so that's they they raw on the edges but they have chemistry already because they 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 almost all best friends and that's yeah. going to bring about 20 good options that are going to compete and make up for the seniors that are leaving yeah. uh the program and we're going to lose some good seniors wilson uh, was probably one of the best midfielders we've ever had. Uh, A.B. Garcia, too, one good striker midfielder that we're going to lose. We're going to have Aldo, which MVP of the district, um, all-state honorable mention, Um, amazing player. He scored, I believe, 33 goals, 11 assists. He broke the record for all time for Royal, most goals scored in a season. He actually broke uh, our uh, head coach record because our head coach used to play for Royal, 
and he uh, broke his record huh. for most goals. <laughs> <laughs> but um, because some of the games get out of hands, uh, yes, we don't have JV, but these 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 games they got out of hands allowed us to make a lot of substitutions in the second half, and we basically were putting the JV out there. This coming season, we we're able to already convince a lot of the Kitty schools. Um, we're going to be in the Kitty tournament uh, again, so we're going to play a lot against six uh, A schools. So we already have about six to maybe eight JV games scheduled, which is oh, going to yeah. be really good, uh, good for the for the week for the season coming up. All right, so you were talking about uh, eighth graders. You know how you, how you went to go see them, kind of go check them out, and how you were able to uh, to like you know secure, I guess some some games you know with some KD schools for the JV uh, squad. So my question to you, you know, how how is that going to be? Uh, how many coaches are is in the staff and you know with the team? Because you know obviously you're the assistant coach. You have what was the name of the coach? Chris. Chris uh, Guzman. Guzman, he's mm -hmm. the he's the head coach, the assistant coach. Is there any more people in in like the team, the coaching team, or you know, are you going to be taking care of of the like the the JV team and the the newcomers? How does no, that work? Devin Lysing is the is also the other assistant. Uh, we both oversee the JV. Um, uh, Guzman doesn't really oversee the JV. Uh, it's more up to us to develop them. Uh, I mean, he's of course at the games, and he, uh, you know, we talk, we have a good feedback of it. Uh, mm -hmm. But we use the same formation uh, from the varsity team, so at least the players are accustomed to to use the formation. So if they get called up to varsity, they already know what is more or less expected of them. Um, we run a tight ship, um, you know, ideally, uh, and I think as things are going to go a little bit more forward. Uh, we also going to have one of the JV coaches starting to uh, coach the eight and seven graders. Uh, it's beneficial because their season is right after uh, the uh, high school season ends and it just runs for about a month. Oftentimes it's just either way a tournament or four games. That's how it works across um, the Texas uh, school system, at least. Um, so it gives them a, it's supposed to just give them a taste. I don't like that because every game that you play uh, and it starts 0-0, it's competitive. Um, so you, you you play to win the game. You don't play to right. just have fun, at least not as a grader uh, in yeah. my book. Of course, you got you got to have fun, obviously, because if you don't have fun, you're going to quit. Uh, so at that age, you you got to you got to make it a balance, uh, but you also got to take it serious. And that's that's something that um, I believe that one of the, the JV coaches should do, and also to make the bridge in terms of, hey, you know, this is what you expect. This is what you know what I see you good. Maybe over the summer you can work on specific things. Especially, it's not oftentimes we got freshmen that make it to our varsity. I mean, we had uh, Roy Escobar was an example of a player that uh, is a striker that that made it as a freshman. But it's very rare uh, to find freshmen that make it to our varsity just due to the quality of uh, the game we got. Um, but we we want to start uh, employing a lot more growth into the program. Um, that's something that in the previous seasons have not been done with the with the previous coaching staff. And this is not me talking crap about nobody. Uh, it's just different philosophies and style of the game. Uh, but we, when we joined forces this year, it was all about changing the program to become an elite program uh, within the state of Texas. Uh, and and we started to do things differently. We started getting players with uh, offers to go to college, which most of them never really cared about their grades. 
because again, they're minority and they never thought they could, you know, get scholarships or college for much, if, if not free, much, much cheaper because of their mm -hmm. uh, soccer skills. And um, so that's, that's something that now they're starting to realize. And, and let's be honest, um, the work ethic has to start in the classroom. And, and even as a club, so as a club, soccer is a little bit different because, you know, your parents are paying for it. Yeah. Um, so there's a different pressure applied to it. But in high school, that let's have fun. It's still what you find it. And then you got that football coach that tells them, hey, figure it out just scrimmage every practice and uh but that culture is changing uh and 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 if you don't if you're not changing along it you're losing every game uh by a lot and uh, so that that their work ethic starts in the classroom so if they got a work ethic in the classroom that's that's going to be easier for me to also coach them uh after the classes uh you know and that's something that we also changing slowly at royal um it's that mindset. Um, also, at Royal, that leads to one of the. I don't know if you are going to ask me or not, but obviously, these these uh, these week, uh, we've been having some some Twitter action, uh, and uh, and 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 I'm not going to really necessarily like talk or names or anything like that. Um, but one of the things that we also, uh, you know, want to. Uh, make the, and it's, it's been a battling for me all year long uh it's the mental aspect of the game especially with kids uh they yeah. they're not mentally tough um you know yeah. they like to to look tough sound tough but they're not and um in in a lot of times we talk about rivalries and sometimes i go online and i see adults saying that oh what a great rivalry this is and that is and all that and that's great but then the rivalry gets transplanted into the parents the parents are at home telling the kids hey make sure you don't lose this game make sure that you play extra hard on this game and it's applying this pressure of like we don't like the other team and all that and and then they go to the game the game gets a little physical and then you start seeing stuff getting out of hand so mm -hmm. you know this is my to my advice people especially when they still talking about young adults you know this is not the premier league uh you know these, these premier league players are accustomed to it and even then sometimes there's there's some some there's some action out there on the field yeah um so you know that's 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 one advice because uh, a lot of coaches one of the things they don't like to do is like for example a lot of coaches pick the other side of the field to coach because they don't have to deal with the parents uh that's that's sometimes one of the slick things i see it uh, yes. you know, because a lot of, every parent is a coach, uh, exactly. you know, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so it's confusing because the player is playing, trying to play. And then he's hearing something from the parents on the stands. Then he's hearing something from the coach. Then he doesn't want to let down none of them. At the end of the day, he doesn't want to let down the teammates, but the teammates are also telling them something else. Yeah. So it gets confusing. And that's something that I, you know, recommend as everyone, uh, to just be on the same the same path um it's yes it's fun to watch a game when there's when you know there's a big some spice into it yeah but they they kids they're still kids and exactly. i see it i see it they they spend the on the week listening to these or even going online and then there's fights there's fights there's literally fights the game gets physical and then there's fights and and then go back online and then i'm reading about fights that happen and adults are blaming this and blaming that the truth is the fault is the the adults that are enticing 
these rivalries. There are no rivalries. It's just, it's a game. You, you win it, you shake hands, you lose it, you shake hands, you know, you learn, you only get better also if sometimes you lose. You have to sometimes feel the pain of losing to understand that maybe you need to work harder. And, and so there's, there's learning curves. I mean, this season, we definitely lost in the third round. We thought we were going to make it to state. We did not. So it's a lesson learned that we have to work harder, you know? And, yeah. and, and so, yes, it was a bad thing we lost, but in the long run of the program, maybe it was the right thing that happened for us, you know, yeah. uh, to change mentalities and, and things like that. So, uh, but that's, that's one important thing about that. I wanted to make it clear. I don't know if you were going to talk or not about it, but it's, um, just be aware that they are still kids. Yes, you got to care and everything like that. But just people should be a little bit more conscious about what they say and how they say it too. So let me, let me ask you like a deeper question towards that subject. How do you guys, you know, you, you and your coaching staff deal with, because obviously you can only control your team, your players, and maybe, you know, the parents of your players. Mm-hmm. But how do you guys, you know, do you guys, talk you know with the parents do you guys tell them you know hey you know hey guys you know let us do our job type deal you know we understand you're the parent you know do you guys have conversations with the parents at all you know what's that relationship like you know in your school specifically because obviously you can't talk for for anybody else but how do you guys deal you know because that's added pressure you know uh having parents i mean i remember my dad <laughs> yelling from the stands like hey do this do this you know and you're like wait well, what do i do do i listen to my coach or do i listen to my dad and like you said you know and you, when you're a kid when you're you know 16 17 18 years old you know you don't want to let your parents down but then also you don't want to let your your coach down you know your teammates mm-hmm. uh so how do you guys do you know specifically with that you know you just kind of talked about it you know like surface level but you know in your case in your team how, how do you deal with that you can really never control what they say on the stands you know uh we can have conversations i i don't know if that's beneficial or things like that mm-hmm. sometimes after some games we had some parents coming to us telling us what we're doing wrong and you kind of got to do that uh customer service job which is oh listen make them feel important and everything and i'm not saying they're not important because obviously they are um but it's just you as as a coach you have to stick to your philosophy and mentality of the game so you have to yes listen to them but take it only what what it's beneficial on the stands you can't control it you can't control yeah. it. You tell the you tell the players over and over to listen to you, uh, you know, because they we are the ones that spend all the time on practices out there with them, one on one, trying to make them better. So it's trusting the process, and that's see that's the thing when the players are aware and they understand because they spend a lot of times watching soccer, so they get a they get a pretty good idea if they have a coach that understands soccer or not. Yeah. So if they have a coach that uh, they, they look up to because he understands soccer, then they're going to buy into the coach oftentimes than what the people in the stands are saying, even if it's their parents. And that's yeah, something that I have seen over and over. But if it's a coach that he doesn't really know what he's doing and then know that the coach doesn't know what he's doing, then he's listening to the father on the stands. Yeah. And, and I see that you might be in Spanish, you might be on a different language, 
that they believe that the coaches might not be able to understand it. Also, when I'm on the game, I don't listen to that. Um, I'm not focused on that. I'm there to coach my players. I'm not there to uh, talk or make friends. Uh, that's a statement we always say. We are there not to make friends. We are there to make our players better. We are there to make these young adults men, a good man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through the passion of soccer, giving them also some wins because, you know, if they work hard, they deserve to win on the field. And and, right. and oftentimes, one of the things we struggled this year was they had, I talk a lot to the referees. Everyone on the bench talks a lot to the referees. <laughs> Unfortunately, in high school, we don't have the best quality of referees uh, in the game. I'm myself, I'm a referee, so I can attest for that. Um, it, I wish it was different. Um, I feel like maybe in a few years we'll be. It's tough because as a referee, you get cursed uh, all the time. It's not yeah. fun. You have to not listen to it. And, uh, and it's kind of like what I do on the sidelines. We don't listen to it. We just focus on the game, um, you know, in off time, we, we get together in a circle and everyone has to pay attention. That's another thing too. Like if someone is out there on, at off time trying to talk to their parents rather than being on the circle and listening to us as, as a coaching staff, um, that's going to hurt your playing time next week. Uh, there's you, you have to understand there's consequences into it. Um, so buying into a coach that knows what he's talking about consequences that are well advised as well those are things that allows you to manage now the parents will always talk you're gonna have to make them feel good you're gonna have to listen um you know uh, of course if it gets out of hand you're gonna say hey sir if you starting to disrespect me i think this is the end of the conversation uh there's only so many limits as well but you have to parents are important with other parents oftentimes the kids are they have to stay after school so the bus doesn't work uh, yeah. when the practice lasts two hours and they have to come out of their way and pick them up. So they have to feel important because they are important. Without them, really and truly, this doesn't exist as a program. So yeah. yes, we have to listen to them. And I mean, sometimes they have, you know, some interesting things, you know. Um, you know, I'm not oblivious to stuff. If there's something that maybe I never, I'd never thought about it, I'll take it and, and I'll use it. Uh, it's the smartest thing. Put the ego aside. It's, 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 you should put the ego aside. If there's someone that tells you something smart, I don't care who that is. They might even be the opponent coach. If it's telling you something that I go home and I repeat it and I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of smart. I might use it. Then I'm using it. Um, You cannot have a big ego as a, at least not as a high school uh, coach. You have to be smart about your decisions. Make them feel important because they are, uh, but you don't need to swallow everything they tell you. So that's my advice, at least. No, hey, that's good. That's good. And uh, let me ask you about this this side. You know, we talked about the the young guys coming in, you know, seven, mm-hmm. seven eighth graders eventually coming into high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell me about the other side of, of that, you know, high school career. The, you know, the seniors that leave mm-hmm. the high school, you know, how, you know, you talk, you touched a little bit about how you guys are trying to change the culture, you know, have, have the, the kids kind of think about, you know, their future, maybe going to college, you know, maybe get scholarships, go play college soccer, or, or even if they don't, to, you know, better themselves, you know, how, how do you guys, you know, man, because being a high school coach, it's, it's tough, man, there's so many different things, but, you know, in that specific aspect, how, how do you guys deal with that? The most painful thing you ever every season is the last game of the season, 
that you'd know for a lot of high school players, that was the last competitive game you've ever did in your life. You see people crying. I mean, for a run of the playoffs, you know, I had players with eight minutes left in the game crying. And I'm like, bro, it's not over. It means a lot of minutes. We just saw it today, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. the Champions League. So, you know, yeah. and, 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 but it's tough. It's tough because, again, you got young adults, you know, and, and kids and, and feelings and all these bottle up teenager action going on. Uh, so it's, it's tough. It's, you know, you're not supposed to cry as a coach that you cared especially if you were a coach that were in the program for a few years, you, you were with them for those three, four years on, the, on that ride. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a bittersweet moment. It's, I won't even say sweet, it's, it's a bitter moment uh, to see that um, they're not going to be back, at least not as players. I mean, they will be fans, they will be alumni, they will be whatever it is, but it's not, it, it, so it hurts, it hurts. And that's, I mean, it, I remember against Mejia about a month and a half ago, it took us about an hour after the game to be able to get on the bus. Um, you know, I mean, the players were devastated to say the least, man. Uh, and they thinking negatively. Some players are like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do in life now, you know. Wow. And, and and it's tough because, like I said, I mean, they spent a lot of years, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was their scapegoat. This was their fun stuff. This was their, if my day goes better, at least I know that I got this going on. And, mm-hmm. and it's tough. Um what to me was tougher these years is to know that maybe had we arrived earlier in their career, they could have achieved more. Uh, they could have been better technically. They could have had more opportunities. They could have done better maybe in the classroom. They could have had more opportunities in terms of scholarships and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's it that's, I think, what to me, specifically to me, uh, it hurt me. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you, man. It took me about three weeks and I'm an adult. It took me three weeks to, and I, I, I mean, it's been a month and a half and I don't think I'm fully recovered <laughs> yes. uh, from it, but I mean, we thought about even making a banner uh, about Mejia and put it out there as we lift up weights right now. And as a reminder, a painful reminder, at least that if we want to be better, at least to the juniors and sophomores and, yeah. and freshmen, you got another shot. Yeah. The seniors don't anymore yeah. you know and and so it, it's as much as it is bittersweet it serves as motivation because now we got these kids that never felt that pain before and now it's going to lead them to next season taking these a little bit more serious because nobody likes to be in pain for exactly. the seniors i mean <laughs> uh, unfortunately there's nothing that we can do like in terms of if they don't get a scholarship that's that's basically it but that's another side to it. Maybe we can try to entice them. Maybe you like maybe being a coach because maybe if you can go to college, you can get your certification, you can get your bachelor's and then you can come over here, you know, every year you can, you know, you be an assistant for a little bit or a volunteer assistant or whatever, help out in practice and stuff like that. And one day you can give back to the community, you know, and, and, yeah. and still, and still be involved with soccer, which is a lot of these kids' passions. I mean, I got a, I got Sebastian with, which is a, he's a sophomore. And I mean, that's a coach right there. He's already a coach and he's a sophomore. One of the most key players. I always tell him, man, you're going to be big in two years, man, next year and, and last year, next year. And but he knows he knows the game. He knows the game. And I asked him, "Do you want to be a coach?" And I said, "Yeah, I want to be a coach." I was like, "Okay, okay. Well, then continue to use these as a fuel to make your college much, much cheaper." So exactly. for the seniors, it's it's bittersweet. It's kind of like you spend two months before the school ends, 
and they get their high school diploma, uh, trying to give them hope and trying to give them light for what's next in their life. Um, so that's again, that, that psychological component. It's, it's very important, even though a lot of coaches neglect because I see a lot of coaches once that's it, the season and the seniors, they neglect the seniors because it's kind of like, oh, they, I don't need these guys anymore. So screw them. And that's, that's selfish. Once again, selfish and very wrong. Uh, they were part of the program. They're still part of the program. They're forever part of the program. I mean, all the trophies that we got, yes, their name's in there as well. You know, so the program is only, we only have 80 kids coming because of all the previous seasons, how these guys grinded to become successful as well. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's a reminder that, um, you know, and for anyone listening, maybe to give a perspective, but it's, um, you should never trash them. They're not damaged goods. They're not anything like that. They, uh, they are still being an important value. And I like to have these seniors maybe come back next year and talk to these young players as well, you know, uh, and try to give them those painful stories, but also the good stories, all the fun that they had uh, while playing soccer to give them importance that they shouldn't be taking it for granted uh, soccer, because a lot of players do take high school uh, for granted, and then they regret it and they wish they could be uh, turned back the clock. There's no such thing in life as turning back the clock. Unfortunately, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So tell me, what, uh, what's the future uh, of this program looking like? You know, what do you, are, are, I'm sure you guys are already probably working for next year. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what can you maybe share, you know, without giving all your secrets, <laughs> Can you mm -hmm. just kind of give us an idea of what you guys are working towards, you know, towards the future as mm -hmm. a team? And then maybe, you know, personally, you know, what, what are your dreams or aspirations mm -hmm. uh, as a coach or whatever it may be, you know? Um, yeah. Um, without trying to give too much, um, right now we're working in uh, not so much conditioning because conditioning wasn't a problem. Eventually going to have to work on speed. Power speed was a problem. Uh, 101, uh, especially when we went against 6A schools, was a problem. But more than anything else, our physicality, not because we don't, we're not physical, we don't, have a, we don't have a bigger body like these football players have. And sometimes yeah. <laughs> you see these, these teams, they look like six-foot grown men out there. And uh, we are short. We are a team that is 5'6", five, 5'7", five, 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 so if you're short, you should have speed. I, I, you know, you got to beat them up in speed. But if you get contact, these referees, once again, especially if it's in the box, they have a second guess before they call the whistle. So winning that physicality, that 101 uh, challenge is something that we never, before we got this year, we never lift weights. We never were out there lifting weights. And that's a terrible mistake. As a, as a soccer player, you do have to have strength. Uh, some people think yeah, it's all about speed and you, a soccer player, prototype of a soccer player is some skinny guy out there that runs fast like a gazelle. <laughs> That's not necessarily true. You, yes, you do need some of those guys on the team, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you need to have some physicality. And, and so speed, physicality, conditioning was not necessarily a problem. Like we were able to, to keep up better than most teams on our district. So of course, we're not going to neglect that. Um, but uh, honestly... I'm going to sound cocky. Gonna, <laughs> some, some another person is saying, do it, it. Do it. <laughs> uh, um, we won district undefeated 
this season, which was the first time ever uh, we, um, you know, Sealy was the, the team that finished second. Um, there's some team out there, you know, Nevisota. Um, they good. They good. They looking for a coach right now. So that depends on that or who they got as a coach. Um, Sealy is the still the team to beat. They're not rivals. They're just a team out there. I want to make this clear. <laughs> our rivals. We got no rivals. Um, but my head coach is not going to agree with that again. But uh, <laughs> but um, winning this uh, district undefeated. Uh, we have two less teams. We're losing Rice in Columbus. Uh, so we're going from an eight-team district to a six-team district. That mm-hmm. sucks and hurts because technically we lose four games. Uh, mm-hmm. And that hurts because... I like having two games a week. It helps, especially when we get in the playoffs and sometimes you play back-to-back days uh, in later stages of it and travel and all that. Um, and it's quite impossible to set up scrimmages when other districts are going on. Uh, yeah. So that, that that's a struggle. Um, making it to state. That's honestly, you know, I don't like to jinx it, but winning state is the ideal scenario over here. But I don't see a reason why we won't make top four and make it uh, to state. Um, even this year, that's what it was supposed to. We were ranked up there very high too and all that. Uh, and by the way, it was funny because we, we were talking a little bit ago about um, terms of population. East, mm-hmm. East Chambers, to give you an idea. And I give my, I take, I got to take my head off to East Chambers. You know, East Chambers, good, great this past season. I don't think they went as far as maybe they should have. Uh, but they have less than 400 students. Wow. Less than 400 students. That's I mean, insane. that's to me, it's amazing what they're doing out there uh, with less than 400 students. They went deep on the playoffs. They were uh, they were supposed to play as deeper in the playoffs, um, but that didn't happen. Uh, Stafford got in the way. But um, so yeah, I, state for sure. State for sure. It's uh, if we don't get cocky. Uh, and we bust butts like we're supposed to. Um, def- I don't see, I don't, and that leads to the next thing, the next part you asked me, what is my envision for myself and things like that. So I'm having a hard time uh, leaving the program because I know it's at it. State is at it or in more and who doesn't like to win, right? Um, but honestly, um, I'm looking for a challenge where I know that I can be eventually um, a head coach on a 6A. Um, in 6A, the game tends to be much closer. The teams are much more equal. Um, and the game is faster. You do have bigger bodies out there. And you mm-hmm. do have a lot more options. Uh, you know, and, uh, and there's these players actually have club soccer. So yes. they stay in shape all year long. Uh, and so that's, you know, being part of running your program by yourself. It's something that I think it's priceless. Uh, you know, that's, that's your final touch. That's your Picasso touch. Or maybe not your Picasso, your crap painting, but hopefully your Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's something that I'm envisioning. I'm actually uh, in the process. I already had a few uh, interviews, of course. Okay. I don't want to say much yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but there are certain possibilities for me to leave. Um, I'm having our time leaving um, because it's a family um, yeah, and, and, and you don't see that often. You don't see oftentimes a head coach, they listen to the assistants 
that if you were out there in practice or games, maybe you might be confused to, to know who's the head coach because mm-hmm. everyone talks and everyone has a good say. So not just talking to, because talking is not good, but having something important to say on the sidelines is key. Yeah, yeah. And we all trust one another that nobody is trying to overstep nobody and things of the nature. But Guzman is a royal boy. Uh, he graduated <laughs> from royal, he's a royal all through and through. He oftentimes jokes whenever he gets 500 wins, he's, he retires and they'll, <laughs> they'll be it and he'll stay a royal. And, and that's, that's his thing. And by any means, the, the program is in great hands regardless. And that's something that makes me comfortable knowing. Um, but, you know, I envision myself eventually. Uh, and these might even, I might even branch out into the girls. There might be an opportunity actually for a 6A with okay. the girls as, as head coach. Shall see. Um, but you know, I got some stuff brewing. Um, I'm like Royal and like most people that should be in this field. Uh, I like challenges. I like winning. Uh, and I like, I like not just winning. I like dominating and I like the, the thrill of knowing that maybe either way I have a program by myself or I have a similar program, maybe in a five, a or a six, a school that I have the same type of family environment, uh, even if I go somewhere else as an assistant, but at least I know that I'm still respected, that I still have something good to say and things of the nature. Because uh, a lot of times these days, you got a coach that if he's varsity, he wants to be left alone. Uh, and then you're just the assistant, but really and truly, you're just the JV guy. And, and that's great because you need to develop players, yeah. but you really got nothing to do with varsity. And that, I think, you know, that's perspectives, that's philosophy. So I don't want to say much about it. I don't, I don't think it benefits anybody because if my game is finished and I'm on the sidelines, I should still be able to tell you maybe, hey, I see something. Hey, uh, you don't have to yeah. do it, but I see these, then maybe these might help you. But a lot, of, uh, a lot of coaches don't necessarily like that because they, honestly, they feel threatened that the assistant might take their jobs eventually. Um, mm. And yes, it is high school. But like I said, people do get, I don't want to say fired, but they don't get, their contracts don't get renewed. Different phrasing, same situation. But yeah, it's about trust. It's about, you know, challenge. Um, I love new challenges. Um, also, if I am to work with someone else, different perspective as well, different, different, just different perspective and growth. And I also drive 40 miles uh, each way. Each so because I'm out here in Willowbrook Mall and it's Brookshire, it's it's a drive, it's a drive. But yeah, it's, a yeah, it's it's uh, whatever happens, you know. And if you don't know much about soccer, um, and if you're around the area, definitely check out uh, Brookshire Royal. They um, one of the best teams around, at least for four A and five A as well. Uh, we we uh, I'm not going to say the name of the team. You go online, you might be able to find. But there was a five A. There was a five A school. We beat them fifteen to zero on a scrimmage this past season. So oh, wow. you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, just, again, just a little shade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four A and five A. It doesn't mean that. Exactly. we are any less or the game is going to be bad yeah. and definitely if you want to have fun go check out the silly uh royal game every year uh there is always uh, some funny stuff going on in those games cool. so uh just to kind of finish off we'll take uh, a couple of minutes uh just you know first of all you know tell me when the when the season starts for you guys and then just uh 
you know, just a, a few minutes, let me know, uh, you know, what you personally, what kind of coaching style do you like, you know, that you maybe you see on TV, maybe a Jurgen Klopp or Guardiola or whatever it may be. What do you try to mimic you personally? Mm -hmm. And then we can close it off with that. Right. So uh, practice by UIL, because you have to follow UIL guidelines. Practice starts the week after uh, Thanksgiving. That's when it starts. You start seeing the first scrimmages, oftentimes at the very early of uh, December, mid-December tournaments, a lot of tournaments going on. Um, every team is still finalizing those. So I can't tell you necessarily like when, but somewhere around December, district play uh, for any team starts in January. Uh, about first, second week of January, oftentimes, again, depends. And there runs all the way till March. And then in April, March, you have the playoffs. And then, you know, you, know, um, you got, you know, the state tournament. Um, but uh, in terms of my coaching uh, style, I don't, <laughs> a little bit of everybody. I think you'll be a fool to just pick one dude. And, and honestly, I'll tell you something. The most successful teams these days and nowadays are a lot of times coaches that bring a new philosophy to the game. Uh, and you see it. I mean, yeah, Guardiola has been out for a while and all that. But what is a while? Five, six years ago? And what was his style? Was it a style that you have seen before or was it a unique style, a combination of many different styles? And, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, the more, you know, I grew up in a perspective that is just soccer, soccer. Then I came over here and I started watching a little bit of football, American football and things like that. And the one thing that fascinated me about American football was this uh, playbook, the playbook, the, the scripted plays and all that. And these, yeah. these trick plays and all this stuff that they use down there in American football. And I thought to myself, you know, trick plays technically are these free kick plays that oftentimes you see it, you know? Yeah. And why don't you use more that on corners and free kicks and things like that to try to trick the team into, they, let's say they have never seen, let's say it's a goofy play. Yeah. As a defender, let's say I stack everybody down there. As a player, I'm starting to look around like, what's going on here? I'm completely <laughs> lost. And, yeah. and I say a lot of, in high school, for example, I see that a lot. Most teams don't have no plays that they really practice honestly a lot of teams don't which is a mistake okay but uh but i see it every time a lot of times what they do is they stack up the box on the corner and they just they kick it out there in the middle and mm. confusion whatever happens, and yeah. boom, whatever happens you know and 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 that's kind of it sometimes a trick play brings confusion oftentimes to the defense which allows then the offense because we have practiced it to be aware of where most likely the ball is going to be added in there. Yeah. I'm actually working on a, on my own plays, about 70 to 80 different plays that I'm either way huh. I practiced when I was younger or I come up with that I think that maybe someone never really thought about it that can work. Um, of course, that only works if you start running in practice and you exactly. see that your players yeah. buy into it. Um, but, I mean, even, for example, you started seeing like a few years back, uh, when it was the free kicks, they do the lay, laying down because the ball, if you keep doing the free kick, the ball might go down on the, on the floor. Yeah. I still see it and I'm like, that's the, the, the dumbest thing ever. But is it? <laughs> it? It's not because if you actually kick, if everyone yeah. jumps and, and the ball goes underneath, there's a dude right there. There's a goal, yeah. So it yeah, makes yeah. you think twice as a free kick taker. Maybe I, I need to have the ball going around and, and stand underneath because there's a dude underneath. Like, for example, one of the goals we scored in the last round of the playoffs, that's how the ball went. The ball went underneath, and we didn't have nobody to look like a fool. <laughs> but had we had a guy looking like a fool, 
we will have not suffered a goal. So it's exactly. uh, it's the little things that make a difference. Oftentimes, I mean, you got a lot of games that are zero zero, and there was that one single mistake, that one thing that really unlocked the game. I was just talking to another head coach, and uh, if for example, his philosophy was not to hold the ball a, uh, a lot, because they know that in the district they are technically not superior than most teams due to how their players are. You know, they shorter and things like that. So the way he does it, he, the, he, if he has the ball, he has to be the ball with a purpose. It's not necessarily uh -huh. like the counterattack. Yes, it's a little bit of the counterattack because they shorter and they got more speed, but it's more like you, we know that we're not going to have the ball, but when, when we have the ball, we have to play more like a fast chess game. And I liked when, when I heard that, I liked that because you do got to see what the players you got. In high school, every uh, every year you got different bodies. They look different, yeah. different skills. And sometimes you do have to throw your conventional tactic to the trash can because if the players you got don't really fit that, then you need to you need to mold a little bit differently. And uh, and that's, that's more of my philosophy. And I believe most people, uh, you know, that's a struggle we had. And now that's something that at Brookshire we're going to change. But I believe that as a, as a defender, you should have some technique with your feet. You should be comfortable with the ball. Uh, because if you don't, the strikers are going to know it and they're going to attack your side. And if they keep attacking your side, no matter how good of a defender you are, you eventually will make a mistake because you're going to be tired, mentally tired, physically tired. And one mistake again in a close game, that's, that's all it takes. And then especially in high school, you... If you if you go down one zero you and you're not accustomed to it, that's gonna be tough yeah. to overcome, yeah. you know. But that's my philosophy. It's literally a mixed, it's like a I don't want to say it, but I say these often, but people don't get it. It's kind of like a chicken noodle soup. Yeah. Alright, guys. So as you as you saw, obviously the video ended right there. But basically his last thought was how, you know, philosophy like his soccer philosophy was kind of like, you know, chicken noodle soup basically a mixture of everything, you know, a little mix of different philosophies, but, but literally that was the end of the conversation. So once again, we want to thank Bruno for, you know, coming on and jumping on and sharing his story, sharing his uh, perspectives, his views on the game and everything that he's doing for, you know, the high school game uh, here in Houston. Uh, but other than that, thank you guys for, uh, for watching or listening. If you're listening, uh, you know, don't forget, like, share, subscribe, do all that thing, do all those things. But once again, thank you. Y'all have a good one. And I hope you all enjoy the, the rest of the day. See you guys.